Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. All over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here on Church Boy Confessions. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to Church Boy Confessions Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Heke. It is a beautiful, beautiful summer morning of August... August 7th oh my gosh it's actually funny because I saw this TikTok that was um, ranking all of the months <laughs> from like uh, from like least to worst or whatever worst to least whatever and it said that August is like the worst month of the year or at least their least favorite month of the year and if I'm being completely honest I know I gotta keep it G because you know hey you know our anniversary is in August but August is an interesting month, I must say. Like, you know, after hearing hearing some reasonings, going over some arguments, August is is an interesting month. Not a lot goes on, you know. Things are pretty chill for the most part. Um, I guess a lot of people do their weddings in August, but then it's also really expensive in August, so some people do it other times. But August, nonetheless is going to be a spectacular month at least by the end of it you know why of course because the poetry jam is saturday august 26 which is our first announcement of today because we're getting right into it saturday august 26 um i hope that you are listening to this and don't act like i don't see you and i don't oh i technically i don't see you but i'm i noticed you and i want you to be there august 26 in los angeles um we have uh we're at bellevue avenue 2111 bellevue avenue um the flyer i'll probably put it on the screen somewhere um but it's in the event bright link that's going to be in the description for this website rsvp if you rsvp you'll just get reminders honestly you don't have to rsvp in order to come to the thing but you know it's helpful for us just to help remind you but nevertheless we're not that we're not that far away we're less than 20 days away from the poetry jam, which is kind of crazy because we've been planning for a while, but God's been faithful. Um, five years we've been doing this thing. We're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary on that same day, so uh, really looking forward to seeing you guys all there. Um, also, what's happening tonight is Bible study. You know, um, we have another our, our monthly first Monday Bible study going on today, tonight, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Please Make sure that you are there if you are available. So we're going to be talking about the joy of the Lord, what that looks like, um, what that is. Um, and yeah, you know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of us might have a weird understanding about the joy of the Lord because we think that the joy of the Lord means that we don't feel any other emotion besides joy, but that is not the truth. So we're going to definitely dive into that um, come tonight. All right. Um, what else? What else? Of course, I also have to give a shout out to Abby. Abby was the subject for our define this. I'm sorry, defining series interview this past or last week. Um, and it was an amazing, transparent interview. And if you haven't checked it out, I'll probably put the link in the description as well. If not, just go to our website because I tend to forget sometimes I have to be fully transparent. Um, go to our website. <clears throat> And you'll, you'll, you'll find the article there. Um, amazing article. Great read. I definitely recommend it. So, yeah, God has been good, man. God's been moving in my life. I got some testimonies, too. I had an internship this past summer that got extended this uh, last week. So, you know, they liked me over there. And, and God's just been really helping me to be a great employee, as at least as best as I can, to really try and stand out, to really try and uh, make an impact. And, 
you know, God's been blessing me in my career life. He's been blessing me in my social life. He's been blessing me in, um, you know, unassociated. And I, I really got to give God the glory. This is honestly a, has been a summer to remember. So um, and I'm thankful for you all. You know what I'm saying? Um, just for being able to get behind this mic. I didn't really get the, behind this mic this much this summer, but I'm back now. Um, but albeit just be able to get behind this mic and talk and people actually listen is really great and really amazing. I'm out and I just appreciate you all. Last but not least, if um, at any moment you feel led to donate to Unassociated, then um, please feel free to make a tax deductible donation to www.unassociated.com slash donate. Um, you guys have been so faithful and so loving and so generous. And I just pray that if God puts it on your heart, you continue to be so. But let's go. Let's get to this message because this message, I think, is really interesting, and I think it's going to be really impactful because we're talking about something that ultimately references the grace of God. Um, Maddie, if you don't know Maddie, Maddie's our social media director. Maddie and I were having conversations about some conversations we've seen on, you know, just amongst our generation, and one one of them being that um, there are a lot of people who don't really know how to perceive how their mistakes in their own lives have an effect on God's will being carried out in their lives. Um, there's a real fear that exists there. There's a real, you know, this idea that, oh man, I sinned. Oh, I made a mistake. And now God's will will not be fulfilled in my life and so on and so forth. There's some people feeling like their sin is not redeemable. Um, and, you know, what's funny is because I feel like grace is such an elementary subject in scripture it's a simple elementary subject that is the heart and the root of the gospel but just because it's simple just because it's elementary does not mean that we all have a great understanding or are always cognizant of that grace in the life that we live and i'm one of them um so you know sometimes i think to myself like should i do another episode about grace because you know, I've done a million episodes about grace and don't we all know about grace? That's fine if we all know about grace, but that doesn't mean that we are always in the mind, always have the mind that we should be walking in that grace. So we need those reminders. Um, and you might feel like you might not need a reminder, but you do. And the time will come. So I wanted to talk about this subject, right? Because ultimately the fear is because you've made a mistake or you've fallen short that your sin is unredeemable and that the plans God had for you and for your life will never be, will never come to pass. Um, so I want this episode, I want to use this episode to unpack that, all right? Sorry, my water bottle is way too far. I had to go grab that. The question is, is God's will, we're going to talk about God's will, is God's will for your life now messed up because you fell short or because you made a mistake. And the way I'm going to talk about this is kind of there being a difference between genuine, honest mistakes and um, falling short and sin, right? Granted, there's a such thing as unintentional sin, but I'm not talking about sin when I talk about mistakes. When I say mistakes, I want to talk about decision making um, and just honest mistakes that we have that are not necessarily sin, but the reason why I want to highlight this area is because there are so many of us that are living lives with so much tension, so much hesitation, um, so much fear in decision making because we're scared we're going to make the wrong decision um, and ultimately we're going to mess up God's plan for our lives. And before I go further, I first want to acknowledge that when we're talking about our 
decisions and our mistakes or our sins and our free will ultimately and the relationship between our free will and the will that God has, the sovereign plan he has over our lives, that entire relationship is pretty tricky to understand. That relationship has a lot of tension in some circles and some conversations. Um, that relationship is kind of mysterious, at least to me. And I'm not even fully confident when it comes to how to perceive the entire thing. But what I do know, what I am confident on is that scripture makes very clear that we have free will and that God is sovereign. And though that's that's how I'm going to approach this episode. It's that, yes, we have the free will. And we exercise the free will to sin. We exercise the free will to make decisions. And at the same time, God is sovereign and that, you know, he's calling the, the I'm sorry, he's calling the generations from the beginning to the end. Um, just like he talks about, I believe it's in Isaiah 41, 2, 3, one of those. All right. So I first want to start this off with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, because I want us to I want us to understand something. All right. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 says this. We I'm sorry. He has made. Etern- OK, let me slow down. He talking about God has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, talking about humans, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. All right. I'll repeat that last part again. No one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. This is scripture. All right. It's important for us to recognize that we do not know God's work from beginning to end. We do not know everything that he is doing in the world and everything that he is doing in us. We don't know. And why is that important? Because before you can say that, oh, man, I made a mistake. I made the wrong decision. And that's why God's will is not happening in my life because God's, you know, I, I, I was I, I was supposed to be here, but I'm actually here because I made this decision and it was a mistake. So that means, oh, man, I messed up God's will before you can even come to the conclusion that you've made a decision or that you have made a mistake that has deterred you from the will of God. You have to know the will of God. You have to know what he was planning in the first place. And unless God revealed that to you, you don't know. So right off the bat, when we have these ideas that we made a mistake and it's because we made that mistake that God's will is not going to be carried out in our lives. Sometimes we make that judgment very prematurely as if we knew what God wanted in our lives in the first place. Because the reality is sometimes the decisions that we make can seem like mistakes, but can actually play very much into God's will. Last week, we talked about Paul and his journey from being in prison in Jerusalem to Caesarea to eventually Rome. Right. And we talked about how God brought him across that journey and how treacherous it was, how hard and how, you know, how much suffering that all entailed for him. Um, and there was a time and, and I didn't go into detail in this area, but there was a time where Paul had to present his case before um, a king named King Agrippa. Right. And this is when he was in Caesarea. He, would, he had been in prison in Caesarea for a long time. You know, he's in Caesarea 
um, and he's going to present his case before King Agrippa. But before he actually presented that case, he had already felt like he was not getting a fair trial, which he wasn't. So he said, you know what? I'm going to appeal to the courts of Caesar, which means that this prisoner now has to be transferred to be judged in Rome, in the courts of Caesar, not in Caesarea, right? But nevertheless, he's still presenting his case before this guy named Agrippa and some other companies. And in Acts 26, verse 30 to 32, this is what it reads. When he had said these things, when Paul got done pleading his case, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Mm. When I was reading through this, 32 really stood out to me. Because Agrippa said that Paul more than likely would have been set free if he didn't appeal to Caesar. Because now that he appealed to Caesar, Agrippa, it's not in Agrippa's right to, <clears throat> to exercise judgment now. It's not up to him. Maybe if it was up to him, he would have let Paul go right then and there. But because Paul appealed to Caesar, which that means he's going to stay a prisoner for a little longer and he's going to have to get transferred to Rome. And we know how Paul's journey went from there because, you know, we talked about it last week. But the point is, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking to myself, wait, so I probably would have been let go if I just didn't appeal to Caesar to, to go get trialed in Rome. Sounds like a mistake. Because now I have to stay a prisoner for a little longer and I probably would have just been free like that. But I don't think Paul was thinking like that. You know why? Because in Acts 23 verse 11 God came to him and told him that, hey, you're going to bear witness of me in Rome. So Rome was the destination. Rome was the goal. It wasn't about him just being free. It was about getting to Rome. And although even Paul, his reasoning for wanting to appeal to the courts of Caesar was not to fulfill God's wills because he thought he wasn't getting a fair shake. It was so he can be free, right? But nevertheless, that decision that he made was God's will. That was a part of God's will. That was a part of God working out his will for Paul to end up in Rome. Although it might have looked like a negative um, decision, a mistake, a bad decision for Paul to have appealed to King Agrippa and say that, you know what, I, I want to appeal to, I'm sorry, to talk to uh, King Agrippa and appeal to the courts because King Agrippa would have let him go. God's will was for Paul to end up in Rome. You see, a lot of us, we define our mistakes in life by negative things that happen following the decisions that we made. And what I'm trying to help you understand is that those negative things happening does not mean that that's not God's will. So when we try to make the case that because I made mistakes, God's will is now messed up in my life. Make sure you know God's will before you even say such a thing, because God can be working out his will through the mistakes that you committed, through the lack of information that you had, through the deficiency that you had, through the incompetence that you had. God can very well be using those things as pieces, as steps towards working out his will in your life. So be careful what you call a mistake. Or you can you can be serious about, you know, you can be transparent about what your mistakes are, 
But be careful about how you try to relate that to whether God's will is being carried out in your life or not. Be careful. Because it's not always easy to see. We always make judgments based off of how much suffering we have or how least suffering that we have. And, you know, what you don't want to do is think that when you're not suffering a lot, that means that you're in God's will. And then when you are suffering a lot, that means that you're out of God's will. Because I'm trying to tell you that sometimes God's will looks like that journey of suffering in the valley of the shadow of death and all the different stuff that we talked about last week. All right. It's important for us to know that God can use anything. He can use your ignorant decision making. He can use your incompetence. He can use all those different things because God is so crafty. He will always find a way. Excuse me. He will always find a way to work out his will. He will. I feel like the real conversation, this real conversation starts when we get into um, disobedience. That's that's the real topic that we have to park at. That's when things start to get a little I would when you when you say I would absolutely understand if if God's will, you know what I'm saying? Like wasn't going to get carried out through my life anymore. I'd absolutely understand that. Now, the question is, is God's will for our lives messed up when we disobey? Once again, I'll note that the relationship between our free will and God's sovereignty is one that I'm not. Um, I know I don't know everything about, <laughs> but I know that we have free will and we exercise that free will to live life how we choose and propose to live life. And that God is sovereign at the same time. I don't think that there's anything that we do that shocks God. And I don't think that there's anything that we can do to throw him off. Just like there's nothing that we can do to impress him or like shock him in terms of, oh my gosh, I didn't know he was capable of doing such a thing. Nevertheless, when we look at scriptures, what's very, um, sorry. When we look at scriptures, what's very apparent is that disobedience comes with repercussions. To really answer this question of, of whether we're messing up God's will in our lives when we disobey, I want to look at the comparison between the story of King Saul and the story of King David. I think there's something that we can grab from there. When you look at Saul's story, you recognize, all right, he is the he's chosen to be the first king of Israel, you know, but he he's a pretty disobedient guy. Right. Um, he creates um, an offering to God, even when he's not supposed to, because that's supposed to be a priestly duty. Um, and then he um, was God told him, hey, destroy this entire place Um and all the people like don't take any prisoners and then he took the king as a prisoner i'm I'm not sure why he okay whatever um all right but let's look at let's look at david's right david is the chosen the the second king of uh as the second king of israel right he slays goliath he conquers the surrounding nations of israel um, but then he commits adultery and then he also murders the husband of the woman that he's committing adultery with. Um, 
and that's not really good either that's very disobedient it's really bad and what we can see in both of these guys is that both of these guys had some real sin man both of these guys sinned and messed up and disobeyed god in pretty huge ways but the reality is you did not see similar responses exact same responses from god you see saul when he sinned he lost the kingdom he lost his son he lost his life when david sinned yeah he lost his son right um he he never saw peace in his family again um and he was also very much subject to public humiliation and you can read about the things that um god did or allowed um for david's punishment in second samuel chapter 12 verse 9 to 12 all right but notice that david did not lose the kingdom he kept on being king after the whole bathsheba situation he kept on being king after uriah's situation saw sin a couple times and he was out of there <laughs> he lost the kingdom but david sinned a couple times both in huge ways and he still had the kingdom in fact not only did he still have the kingdom but he still has his legacy because the first thing we think of when we think about david is not even bathsheba and uriah we think about goliath and we think about kingship and we think about the fact that this is the line through his lineage god used to bring jesus into the world so his legacy is preserved. His kingdom was preserved. What is the difference? Why, why is it that David's sin, his kingdom was preserved, but Paul's, um, Saul sinned, King Saul sinned, and his kingdom was not preserved? Maybe the answer lies in, through the eyes of God, Saul's sin was greater. That's, I think that, that's valid. It sounds valid. But I can't help but look back at the reason why God chose David apart from King Saul in the first place. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. After Saul sinned, this is what Samuel prophesied to Saul. Verse 14 says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Stop right there. God says that now I'm going to look for a man that's after my heart. Really establishing that that's that's the person I'm looking for because this is not the person that I have now. David was a man after God's heart. That's what we know him as. That's his legacy. He's a man after God's heart. Let's continue. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 to 7. This is now when God instructs prophet Samuel to go and um, go to Jesse's house and, you know, go pick one of the sons, right? So let's see what happens there. So it was when they came, talking about Samuel and the boys, that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, 
Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So scripture establishes that this David guy was a man after God's heart. Now that didn't mean that he wasn't a sinner. It didn't mean that he wasn't an adulterer. It didn't mean that he wasn't a murderer. It doesn't mean that he did everything right. In fact, he did a lot of things wrong, but he was after God's heart. And apparently, from what we can see, what that means is that he's given more grace than the, than the previous guy was. In the life of David, we see sin. We see punishment even. But we don't see that God stops using him after his disobedience. We see that for as long as God, uh, as David, we see that for as long as David is after God's heart. He continues to be used. He continues to be preserved. He continues to establish and so on and so forth. So then what's the focus for us? I don't think that the focus for us is that we should be asking ourselves, oh my gosh, I disobeyed. Did I mess up God's will in my life? Oh, did I mess this up? Oh man, I got to make sure I don't sin so I don't mess up God's will in my life. Your focus, put that off to the side. If you try to start fixating on don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Trust me, you're going to sin. All right. And then you're going to feel absolutely terrible about it. And then you're not going to be like the righteous man that sinned seven times and got back up. You're going to be like the person that sinned and then wants to go and live in more sin because the guilt would never let you come back to Christ. I think the focus more so is us asking ourselves the question, are we people after God's heart? Because apparently that's that was the difference maker. At least from what I would call it, the difference maker between the punishment that Saul got and the punishment that David got. Because David got punished, but he didn't lose the kingdom. David got punished, but we still talk about Jesus coming through the line of David. We still talk about David's a man after God's heart. So something about being after God's heart is really important when it comes to being used by him, when it comes to pleasing him. When it comes to maintaining that healthy relationship with the Lord, it comes down to us being people who are after his heart. Because God gives God gives more grace to those that are after his heart. That's why it's important. It's important because God gives more grace to those that are after his heart. And grace is the only way that we're going to be redeemed. Grace is the only way that we're going to maintain this relationship with God. It's his grace. Look at, uh, I think a good example in the New Testament is Simon Peter. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter, if I'm, if I'm correct, he's the first disciple that really said, you know what? You are Christ. You are Jesus. You are the son of God. That is who you are. And then Matthew 26, 33, 
he tells Jesus to his face, all these other guys, they could run, but I will never run. I'll never bend you. I'm 10 toes. I, you know, I'll do anything for you, Jesus. I'm, I'm right here with you. You want to know what happened next? Let's read it. Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse, um, sorry, verse 69. It says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl. I don't know what was up with these girls. Why were they so active, bro? <laughs> another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a, li and, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Look at verse 74. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. My God. The reason why I wanted to read this is because I want you to understand that after this, Simon Peter, he cried. He was in, you know, he was definitely regretted it and all that different stuff. But Jesus didn't hold that against him. Jesus forgave him. Jesus showed him grace. And a little later on, Jesus is actually even going to offer Simon Peter the opportunity to proclaim his love for him. I need you to understand that Simon Peter, it says that he cursed and swore. Like, he was saying on oh, my mama, on oh, everything I love, I do not know who that. Like, this is the seriousness that this guy had on oh, everything I love. Da -da 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 -da. Man, curse anybody that even say that I would ever be like. This guy was going in fervently denying that he ever knew Jesus. That sounds like disobedience to me. That sounds like sin to me. That sounds like something absolutely terrible to me. It sounds like something that I wouldn't dare do in my right mind. But we're talking about Simon Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, who will continue to be used to turn the world upside down alongside other apostles preaching the gospel message. This is Simon Peter, Apostle Peter. Big P. I need to understand something. This message that I'm preaching is not a license for you to go out and go act crazy and go disobey. And then you'll say that, well, God's will is not going to change in my life anyways. You know, so I'm just going to do what I want. For those that are after God's heart, when I preach this message, that's not what you heard. Instead, this message is for those that have been at war in their hearts and war in their minds. This message is meant to bring peace to you in knowing that the sin that you have committed, the mistakes that you have made are redeemable. Because God is the great redeemer. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
we ought to stop forgetting about the grace of God and what Jesus has done. And that is that he has paid our debt. He has paid for all of our sins. When we go before the father, this is also in Ephesians and I should have wrote it down, but you can look this up. The word says that we are holy and blameless in his sight. What does that mean? Holy and blameless without blame. You know why? Because he sees us as he sees Christ who was without sin. That's what Jesus has done for us. If you have put your faith in Christ, if you are someone who is after God's heart, that means it's not just that you profess that you're a Christian. It's not just that you say you love Jesus. There's more to it than just simply an outward profession. But you are truly someone who is after God's heart. Trust me, it doesn't mean that you will not sin. And it doesn't mean that you won't make a mistake. You will. You will. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that you will. But it doesn't mean that you can get back up, you can get back in line and God can, still loves you and his grace is still over you. His will can still be carried out in your life. Get back up. Your focus is, are you after God's heart? I don't want any more of the Oh, well, I would have been here if I did. Oh, but and I would have been there if I did. I don't want to hear that. What I want to hear is that examining of yourself. Am I after God's heart? Because that's what matters. As we saw, that's what matters. That was the difference between Saul and David. One was after God's heart. Both of them were dirty sinners, but one was after God's heart. Be after God's heart. That's the focus now. That's the focus. Be after God's heart. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this time. And I just pray, Lord, that these words, this charge truly um, take over in your children's lives, oh God. Help us every day. Ask ourselves a question. Are we after your heart? And if we're not confident with the answer, help us, Lord. Quicken our spirits, Lord, so that we are after your heart, that we are committed to you, that our life, we put you at the center of it, oh God. Father, there are things that we've done in the past, things that we did yesterday, things we did this morning, things we did today that we are ashamed of, oh God. Father, we acknowledge that we are redeemed through your blood. We have forgiveness of our sins because of your grace. And Father, we will not abuse this grace. But Father, our aim is to honor you and to be after your heart in our lives, oh God. And I pray you even help us to do that. We need your help even to do that, God. I know. But we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience. Father, we thank you for your your faithfulness to us even when we're not faithful to you oh god we thank you that you have more grace than we do especially when more than we do for others and we do for ourselves thank you that you're not like us that you're better than us so that we don't have to measure ourselves based on our own judgments that we can't even keep up with 
but you are the one that judges and you are a gracious judge and we thank you and we acknowledge that and we accept that in jesus name amen amen and amen i love you guys hope you guys have an amazing week one thing that i actually want to like you know start advertising again is ask church boy you know y'all got asked kendra and y'all be asking her some great questions um and i think that moving forward i really do want to prioritize speaking to messages that i know you guys need right now just in the place that you're at right now it doesn't mean that you send it in and i and i immediately i'm gonna do the episode please but it does mean that I want to hear from you and hear what's going on, what's bothering you um, and pray about, you know, any message that God has for me that I can, you know, share with you all um, through that, you know, then speak to that specifically. So feel free to go to www.unassociate.com slash ask church boy um, and put your question in, put your topic suggestions. Tell me what's going on. Um, and, and you know, if the Holy Spirit give me that message to to respond to that, then I absolutely will. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. You guys have an amazing week. Peace. Out.